0: begin thinking about hydrogen, hydrogen being carried on a nitrogen atom instead of on a carbon atom because it turns out there's many, many benefits to going that route. So Nancy's great-great-grandfather homesteaded this. Sound went away. Where did it go? Nancy's great-great-grandfather homesteaded this farm in eastern Washington, and it turned out that uh, the wind in the area is sufficient for the utilities to be installing wind farms. Three of them are on some ridge tops on the property that Nancy inherited from her forebears. I feel like the sound is coming in and fading in and out. It's pretty sensitive, to exactly where you stand. Yeah. All right. I'll be rigid. So this is a picture of three 1.8-megawatt Vestas wind turbines on a ridge top. This is part of a wind farm that happens to be about 230 megawatts in the area called Marengo-2. So on her property, her piece of this wind farm, there's 5.4 megawatts of wind power. Now, it's a wheat farm, primarily, and wheat uses lots of nitrogen for fertilizer, and uh, that's where I'm going to go with this. Um, So this, in eastern Washington, is in the foothills of the Blue Mountains, and uh, Washington is the nation's third or fourth largest producer of wheat by state, and it's most in the southeastern quadrant, mostly dry farming. Some of it irrigated, and what 's interesting is why is that it's also well correlated with wind as a resource in the state of Washington, where the wind blows the wheat grows or vice versa i don 't know if its cause and effect, <coughs> uh, but it turns out that that's fortuitous for purposes of what we 're doing here. ammonia is a valuable and high-use commodity worldwide and domestic, and just some brief history on the production use of ammonia. But some of the things I want to point out to you are in the bullets at the bottom. Uh, It's a $60 billion annual international industry and about $11 billion billion of uh, industry in the U.S. devoted to ammonia. I see why previous speakers have had trouble. The, the uh, keys are hidden in the dark there. Uh, the, we in the U.S. import more than half of the ammonia that we use. And nearly all of it is made from natural gas worldwide, and in the process releases enormous quantities of carbon dioxide. <coughs> it's all done using the Hyperbosch bosch process, which, by the way, was the uh, technology that enabled the first green revolution. <coughs> And because most ammonia is made from natural gas, the price of ammonia is highly correlated to the price of natural gas. As natural gas has been rising steadily in price over the last uh, decade, it had a big spike in 2008, but in general, the price is a steady rise. And that's projected by DOE to continue a, a steady rise in spite of these new sources of natural gas that have been Identified domestically. <clears throat> so, a little bit about the use of ammonia in the state of Washington uh, for the wheat crop year 2008-2009. Since sometimes they uh, fertilize in the fall and also in the spring, you might the crop year doesn't necessarily coincide with the calendar year. 71,000 tons of anhydrous ammonia, which means without water, uh, just compressed at 100 psi and room temperature, it will be liquid and 139,000 tons in addition in uh, dissolvent water. Uh, cost of 150, 160 million dollars in the state, uh, 92 million of that spent by wheat farmers. Now, uh, Nancy's farm isn't big enough to support us or any other uh, individual who aspires to a good standard of living, but it, it helps. Uh, and it's uh, farmed, although Nancy Sells the crop and pays the insurances involved. Uh, and her father lived on the farm. It's, she's not there anymore. We, be, we visit there regularly, and but the farm was contracted to a family who farmed some of their property and some others as well, as is often done in the farming business. Uh, Dick Ingram has his own farm and he's incorporated. He uses a lot of fertilizer. He applies it. Nancy buys it, leaves her share. The average consumption of fertilizer for wheat is 100 pounds per acre per year, at least of nitrogen, uh, sorry, ammonia as nitrogen fertilizer. Costing the Ingram farms $80,000 a year for about 2,500 acres that he farms, uh, of which a fourth or so is Nancy's property. He also uses uh, diesel fuel for his combines, tractors, uh, um, various uh Instruments um, for farm equipment, which for which he spends about forty and a half thousand dollars a year for diesel fuel, which leads me to another uh, interesting point that is, that ammonia is combustible, it will burn very nicely uh, in an icy engine. In fact, you can displace 95% of the diesel fuel by just injecting the anthers ammonia directly into the air intake manifold. and. Uh, anhydrous ammonium has about um, half the energy density of diesel fuel, uh, but much more than that of hydrogen. And so it's a easily storable uh, chemical energy uh, source. So if you displace 95% of Dick's diesel fuel, in addition to generating his fertilizer, you've saved him a bundle of money and perhaps made him green in the process, which is where I'm going. So what I have here is something that's just been patented, just in the early weeks of June, was presented at the uh, meeting, ASA meeting in uh, at, at Messiah College, which was what five years ago or four. It was brand new, FOT. What I'm doing is taking this uh, technology that's jointly patented by a fellow at Howard University across the way and uh, a friend of mine who worked at Pacific Northwest Laboratory, solid-state ammonia synthesis. It's called and the idea is that you separate nitrogen from air and feed it to this uh, uh, solid state synthesis device which strips the uh, oxygen off the uh, superheated water molecule. Um, The protons uh, quickly migrate through a porous membrane, at least porous to protons, and narrows itself to nitrogen waiting on the other side. So in a nutshell, it's an electrochemical process Water is decomposed electrocatalytically at the anode. Hydrogen atoms absorb and they're stripped of electrons. The protons uh, migrate immediately through the uh, ceramic uh, membrane and emerge and regain electrons and react with the nitrogen that is there. As I said, the patent was was issued just a month ago. So... um, what I'm headed is let's see if we can make both fertilizer and fuel from wind, the wind that's available locally. <clears throat> the process requires and this is assuming about a fifty percent overall process efficiency, uh seven uh seven and a half megawatts, megawatt hours of energy to produce uh a uh long ton um, I think this should be long ton of of NH three, also four hundred and twenty gallons of water. Um to produce that, and the nitrogen comes from the air, so it's an unlimited resource. Assuming that the wind generates at only 25 percent of nameplate capacity, I calculate that one 650 kilowatt wind turbine could provide all of the uh, anhydrous ammonia fertilizer or nitrogen fertilizer for this farm, Um, not just Nancy's, but also Ingram Farms Incorporated. And that's about 3,000 acres of wheat and all their diesel fuel as well, or 95% of it. <clears throat> so that's just a calculation. Um, and I guess the point at the bottom is burning nitrogen in an icy engine, if you could if you'd run it at 100%, your product would be uh, nitrogen into and water vapor. No other byproducts at all. So it's essentially it's a carbon-free fuel. Now, if you burn it with some uh, carbonaceous fuel, you get some NOx, but not much. And it turns out that NH3 is a is an uh, active NOx getter for uh, post-combustion uh, NOx uh, uh, management. So it is a built-in collection device. So you can be still pollution-free. And again, uh, one turbine of the three-quarters of a megawatt size can produce all that's needed for this uh, farm enterprise,
1: which is uh,
0: only half of one of the turbines that's presently installed on Nancy's property. This is what the system would look like, excluding the power supply, the wind. Um, It has several components, and the reason it has preheaters and post-heaters is to get that efficiency up because we're heating the water, and uh, all of this is assumed uh, the heat sources, electricity in this case. but we heat the water preheat it, and try to collect heat from the hot ammonia and nitrogen coming off and by the way a byproduct is oxygen and um, if your water feed water in is just decent well water without a lot of sulfur in it the oxygen that comes off is clean enough to be sold as medical oxygen so there's other ways to produce anhydrous ammonia the traditional way of the have a Bosch process <clears throat> but in that case you have to feed the nitrogen in from the air separations unit and uh, react with methane that is uh, separated with a steam or farming process uh, or you could try to uh, uh, crack your water first using an electrolyzer and then feed the uh, product into a Bosch process or this, this process which requires Water and nitrogen and electricity. And the energetics calculations say that this process, solid state ammonia synthesis, should be favorable compared to the other ways of getting anhydrous ammonia. I won't read this to you, but I do, by the way, have some handouts. I have a few. If there's not enough and you want more, uh, put your email address on this piece of paper and I will send it to you after I get home. Now, the fun begins because we have to really build one of these things. It's been done in the laboratory or on the benchtop, but now we have to scale up and start going to the field, and that's what we're actually doing. We have two proposals in right now, one to Department of Ag and one to NSF. Two NSFs, as a matter of fact. But interfacing it to a power supply that may not be steady is especially demanded. So, uh, again, we have to supply seven and a half Megawatt hours per ton of um, anhydrous ammonia per day. We require a lot of active surface to do this reaction. Forty-three square meters per ton per day, operating at one and a half DC volts, which means you're going to have a lot of current to get that power. In fact, almost five thousand amps per square meter, which is a lot. But these kinds of amperes are not uh, scary to people who are in the business of producing uh, alumina from its ore. Anyway, we have 200,000 amps uh, to produce a ton of of, uh, NH3 per day, which is a lot of current to manage, and there's ways to go about it, which we're starting to wrestle with. The tubes are being made uh, at Colorado School of Mines right now by the same fellow uh, that does uh, fuel cells. They're, They're being made at two centimeters diameter by two meters long. To get that kind of current, you would need 341 of those tubes in one of these reactors to produce a ton a day. If we put them in parallel, uh, we'd have 610 amps per tube. We could obviously cut down the the current by putting some of these in series, but in the process, we're going to reduce the reliability or the redundancy of the system. So there's a trade-off. But this, again, the technology of handling these kinds of uh, current loads is familiar to the alumina um, industry. So here's a case, uh, here's our challenge. On the left we see a typical solar output as the clouds pass by. All of those time varying uh, spikes in power with a gradual diurnal cycle. Wind is a similar problem but with different uh, rates of ramp up. Wind can have very rapid rates of ramp up followed by a long periods of quiet and intermittent changes in, in wind power or wind's velocity. All of this meaning that you have time-varying power that has to be managed. Ideally, this reactor would operate on steady state, absolutely steady state, because that's the way designers like to design machines. But real life doesn't allow that. So we're looking into ways that we can map the available power from isolated, off-grid power supply like wind or solar to an operating uh, SSAS reactor. This is some data that I took because the Pacific Corps sends us a monthly check for letting, us, letting them put their wind turbines on Nancy's land. And so we get a teensy fraction of their electricity sales. But they also tell us how much electricity they generated. I I don't know, maybe they're lying to me, because this tells me that they're only operating at 25% of nameplate capacity over a long time. But this is some data that I plotted up over about a two-year period. That's as long as the turbines have been there. And uh, some months are consistently windy, and some months are pretty quiet. It turns out that uh, spring, as you might guess, is a really windy season, Uh, but it varies from year to year. Anyway, so I'm taking a worst-case assumption of 25% of capacity. Uh, for the calculations that we've been doing. And we're looking at many different ways to turn intermittent power into steady, high current, low voltage DC. And this idea pops up a vanadium redox flow battery, which they're expensive and they're new, but they, just, they generate uh, electricity by charging electrolytes, storing it in a tank, and then reversing it uh, when you want the electricity out. So they were meant as uh, new development energy storage technology, but they might also be power conditioning because you can take uh, time-varying power in and take out steady DC if you like uh, and do it in real time. Their rise time is pretty rapid. So where do we go with this? The bottom line is this. Uh, current hydrogen ammonia is brown because its byproduct is CO2. And it's going to continue to rise in price uh, as natural gas rises in price and it may be subject to carbon taxes in the future. If we can avoid producing ammonia from natural gas and we can use uh, anhydrous ammonia not only as fertilizer source but also for diesel fuel, 95% of it, then we think the capital cost of such a plant can be amortized and, in fact, will be better than cost competitive with traditional sources, farmers buying their petroleum or their, their diesel fuel from uh, vendors, and uh, as well as their anhydrous ammonia. And the bottom line to all of this is that uh, ammonia from solid-state ammonia synthesis will be totally carbon-free. And that's it. I'll ask entertain questions. Oh, yes, on the handouts, if you want to dig deeper, the patent number and uh, some articles on why ammonia is a fuel, for example, and some recent studies on how well it burns in a diesel engine, other things are available uh, from some of these resources and others. Now I'm done. Yes, I see two questions. Big your pardon. Oh, sure. No, every molecule will turn into as a fuel. If you just burn it with oxygen, it would it would turn into N2 and water vapor. If you could do that. Now there will, if you mix it with five percent diesel fuel, there will be some NOx. But I'm saying that the NOx will be extracted, recovered immediately with, by NH3, uh, if you choose to do that. Yes, sir? Yeah, what, do you, what have you done regarding the
1: toxicity of ammonia? Ammonia used to be used in refrigerators, but
0: yeah. long ago, but because of the toxic nature of that, obviously when you're burning it and having large amounts, this must be an issue. Frankly, I think that's why DOE hasn't jumped on ammonia instead of hydrogen, yeah. because energetically speaking, it's a superior choice. But they are afraid of the public reaction. Um, the salmon canning industry in Alaska still uses anhydrous ammonia uh, refrigeration systems. Uh, farmers use it all the time. Uh, it's, uh, it's very common in industry. There's, a, not, there's an ammonia distribution system. The, uh, it can be handled safely, but you do have to take care of it. If it leaks, then you inhale it, then you will uh, be shocked by that. It's smelling salts galore. Uh, but there is safe practice for ammonia, and when stored, it's no more dangerous, and maybe less so, than storing uh, gasoline uh, in terms of energy content, and, uh, and hydrogen is really scary because it wants to expand enormously if it ever uh, a pressure tank ever fails. This is only sitting at 100 psi. It's not going to try to expand enormously. In other words, your pressure-volume relationship is far less scary than it is for hydrogen, and the energy storage is, is uh, no worse than, and probably better than storing gasoline. It's not as flammable. So there's all you have to worry really about is the inhalation hazard, and safe practices are in place or industry standards for doing that. Are you sold? Well, it, for me, it's a black box because I'm not on the patent, all right? But I do happen to be friends with the people who are. I've known them for years, or at least uh, the senior guy. Um, and he's still waiting for an investor to make it rich, whereas, uh, but he's a scientist, and I'm an engineer, and I came along and I said, John, what you really need is somebody to build you a demonstration plant that that proves that this can be scaled up. and so. Uh, I'm not giving away a secrets, but now the patent is granted. You can read the patent and the reference is there to see just how he how these uh tubes are made. They're ceramic with a metal diffused into the surface, and um, he's afraid that somebody will reverse engineer it because it's easily done with a scanning electron microscope or what have you. You can figure out what the uh, metals are that are diffused. Um, so he's not going to let it be sold overseas just yet. If you were representative of the Chinese government, I'd have to say I can't. But um, he's still looking for an investor. In the meantime, I'm looking for steps to take us from the benchtop to the uh, field. And this is a, we're going to build a pilot plant or a demonstration uh, lab scale experiment followed by a pilot plant on the farm. That's our proposal. Uh, for a, uh, we think that we can do the um, lab scale demonstration of what we need to know about its response to uh, variable input and get the design parameters we need for um, half a million dollars we think we can do that in less than a year uh, to build a one ton a day plant at a farm if we can get Vesta to donate the wind turbine we can do it for a million and a half they might donate it for Either um, uh, social purposes or for publicity. Um, uh, T Boone Pickens had some sparrows in Texas last year, I guess. Maybe he'd give us one. Did you ask him? No, I haven't asked him. Will you? Is there a company name associated with this? Yes, the holder of the patent is called NH3. Spell it out. Uh, N H T H R E E L L C and the company that i formed with nancy's farmer and nancy uh and our son is called wind to green ll three llc wind uh t-o-g-r-e-e and to green so we've got two small uh profit free companies at the moment profit-free. <laughs> <laughs> yes sir uh, just, just the the yeah it, the patent application number is on the document Um, I couldn't discern whether the patent application number becomes the patent number when it's uh, issued. I saw the letter from the patent office, so I know it's been approved, but all I have is the patent application number, which was uh, three years ago. So that's on the last page, and you can search it on that basis. I did find it in the patent office using that as a lookup. Thanks for your interest.